Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, about how to suit up for spiritual warfare. When I'm reading Bible verses, I sometimes say, am I doing everything? Now, I realize that in the flow of the context here, what the Bible's teaching us is that the provisions are there. Everything pertaining to life and godliness I have in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But am I doing everything to put on what God has provided? I think therein is the rub. Therein becomes the issue of your times in Bible study, your times in prayer, your times in fellowship. Your consistency in the things of God is how you appropriate what God has given you. So in other words, he's not gonna force it on you. You've gotta take it up. You've gotta put it on. And when you do that, you'll be able to stand firm. The first piece of armor, the only one we will deal with tonight, is the belt of truth. And he says, stand firm, therefore. Notice that you have the idea of resisting And now you have the idea of standing firm, which is at the end of verse 13 and repeated in verse 14. Stand firm. Don't back up. Don't back away. Don't run away. Stand your ground. Stand firm, Christian. Rise up, O men of God. Amen? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, yeah, there's a battle, but take a stand. Stand firm. See, this is the issue that we really have when we mention the church, right? Whether or not someone's gonna stand firm instead of being wishy-washy and backing up because there's a little pressure, right? So he says, look, I want you to stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, one of the ways that you stand firm is you gotta gird your loins. Now, do you ever say that to somebody that you love? Hey, did you gird your loins today? What are you talking about, man? You from Virginia? (laughs) Or Carolina? What do you mean, gird your loins? That sounds really strange to us. Well, the idea of girding your loins has to do with putting on the belt. And it's just, a, it's just another way of saying securing the belt to your person. What should you gird your loins with? The first piece of the armor is truth. Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians, just a few books back. And Paul has been being attacked by the Corinthian super apostles and naysayers. They've attacked him up and down, one side and the other. They attack the way he looks. They attack the way he speaks. They attack just about everything about Paul. And uh, they say he's not eloquent. They say he doesn't have apostolic authority. And on and on and on it goes. And Paul's been uh, being beat up. And so there are, there, are, there are some in the Corinthian congregation that have repented, but others who are still claiming that the church is theirs and they're super apostles. And so Paul says these words. He says in verse three, and this is 2 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 10. 
Let's go back to verse two. He says, I ask that when I am present, I may not be bold with confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some, and here I think is the false teachers opposing Paul, who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, what they said about Paul in essence just quickly is, there's no way the Holy Spirit can be in Paul's ministry. He goes into towns and he gets beat up. He goes into other towns and he gets stoned. He gets on ships and he becomes shipwrecked. He goes into prisons and he gets flogged. He's left for dead here, hated there. People aren't eating food until he's dead. How can the Holy Spirit be on that guy's ministry? And then when he walks into town, historically, the best description we have of Paul from tradition is he's about five foot one, his knees are bowed, he has very little hair on top, he has a unibrow, and I'm not joking around when I say this is the description of Paul, and he may have runny eyes. The great apostle Paul, in the pulpit, everybody say, amen. That's Paul? You gotta be kidding me. You know, he bears in his body the brand marks of Christ. He's got scars all over his body. He's been beaten with rods. He's been beaten with whips. This guy has been, he's gone through the whirlwind. And they say, hey, that guy walks according to the flesh. Look at him. Have you ever listened to somebody on the radio for years and then you finally get to see them and they are never quite what you imagine them to be? Or maybe you talk to somebody on the telephone in business, right? And you, ha- you get this mental picture by their voice. They must look this way, right? And then you see them and you go, oh, no way. <laughs> and then they say something and you're like, that is you. Wow, that's weird, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of how it was with Paul. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, okay, yeah, it's true, I'm a human, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare, now we're not talking about armor, we're talking about weapons, are not of the flesh, but notice, divinely powerful. Think of the scriptures being breathed out by God. For what? For the destruction of fortresses. I think we could say safely that the only offensive weapon we have is the word of God or the truth of the word of God, and there, there are weapons we have for our warfare, spiritual warfare. They're not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful. They're mighty through God. And what do they do? They are powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Notice fortresses is plural. There are more than one. And a fortress, just simply put, would be something like a castle. Uh, in ancient times, they had a, an acropolis, literally a high city. And they would build a, a, a fort up there or a fortress so that if an invading army came into the city, they'd get to the highest point, they'd have the visibility of the fortress and the protection of the fortress. Sometimes, sometimes there was a moat around it or whatever. Well, in the image of that in the ancient world, Paul flips it around and he says, look, there are all kinds of fortresses on the landscape, but in this image, when people go into the fortress, it is not safety to them. The fortress actually is a fortress of falsehood. And the only way the fortress of falsehood comes down is by the truth of the word of God, which is our divinely powerful weapon. The only way that you can bring a fortress of lies down is with the truth 
And in the image, Paul's saying there's fortresses. People go in there and they think it's gonna be safety to them and it ends up, and the Greek word can mean this, it ends up either becoming their prison or their tomb. People run in there for safety. This looks good. It sounds good. They go into the fortress and Paul says it becomes a tomb to them. Some of them don't make it out. And the only way that they can get out of that fortress that it can be demolished is by the truth. And I would say the word of God coupled with prayer, but that's how fortresses come down. And that's one of the pieces of armor. As a matter of fact, we have a belt of truth we're looking at, but we also have the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And this is our world. The enemy gets people to go into places that look like they're gonna provide a safe haven, and they become a prison. And Jesus says, I have come to set the prisoners free and if the son makes you free you will be free indeed and I've come to open up prison cells and set the captives free and how do I do that because I came to bear witness to the truth and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice and prison doors open and people are set free but this is the nature of the battle And so Paul says we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God or the true God here and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. By the way, even though I think it's legitimate to say every thought captive to the obedience of Christ could mean our personal lives being under his lordship when a thought comes in, it becomes captive to obedience to him. I'm not sure that that's the flow of this context. I think every thought being taken captive to the obedience of Christ has to do with the truth of the gospel and every thought or speculation coming under the truth of the gospel. The whole letter, Paul's been spending time saying it's about the gospel. The enemy blinds the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the glory of Christ, the light of the gospel. Are you with me? The gospel sets people free. And you have a belt of truth, and the belt of truth is to protect you from the lies of your enemy, typical ways that he comes at you, but it's also an intercessory tool for what? Truth can help other people be free as well. Sometimes Christians are stuck, frankly. They come into the church, they grew up in a legalistic church. They didn't set foot in a church for a decade because they're afraid to ever go back in a place like that. And you have to walk them through in discipleship the truth of grace and how they can understand themselves and that God loves them and he wants to bless them. And sometimes they're already saved. But the belt of truth becomes a huge thing in their life. So the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. It takes us back to the fact, and we'll finish it up with Ephesians 6, uh, verse 14 that we are to put on God's resources and strength. He is the God of truth. We have an enemy that is a liar. We have an enemy that tries to um, corrupt the simplicity of the gospel. There is another Jesus, another spirit, and a different gospel. And Paul says in Galatians 1, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the gospel to a different gospel, which is really not another And then he says in that passage, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you any other gospel than the one we preach to you, let him just be, have a bad day? No. He says what? Let him be anathema. 
the strongest Greek word Paul could use, let him be under the curse of God. And just in case you missed it, I'll say it one more time. If anybody preaches any other gospel than the one that we preach to you, let him be anathema. Let him be under the curse of God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Truth can help other people be free as well. Sometimes Christians are stuck, frankly. They come into the church, they grew up in a legalistic church. They didn't set foot in a church for a decade because they're afraid to ever go back in a place like that. And you have to walk them through in discipleship the truth of grace and how they can understand themselves and that God loves them and he wants to bless them. And sometimes they're already saved. But the belt of truth becomes a huge thing in their life. So the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. It takes us back to the fact, and we'll finish it up with Ephesians 6, uh, verse 14, that we are to put on God's resources and strength. He is the God of truth. We have an enemy that is a liar. We have an enemy that tries to um, corrupt the simplicity of the gospel. There is another Jesus, another spirit, and a different gospel. And Paul says in Galatians 1, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the gospel to a different gospel, which is really not another And then he says in that passage, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you any other gospel than the one we've preached to you, let him just be, have a bad day? No. He says what? Let him be anathema. The strongest Greek word Paul could use, let him be under the curse of God. And just in case you missed it, I'll say it one more time. If anybody preaches any other gospel than the one that we've preached to you, let him be anathema. Let him be under the curse of God. Now, sometimes people say, do we really have to argue about doctrine? Do we really have to get into it? Look, we shouldn't be arguing about peripheral doctrines. We have denominations that believe different things about eschatology and about the millennium and about the mode of baptism. Look, I don't think we should be dying on those hills. But if somebody tries to redefine the nature of God or the nature of the gospel, we gotta die on that hill. 
And I'm amazed that I run into Christians and Christians say, we don't have to worry about that. God will work it all out. And I say, I say to them, have you read the New Testament? Do you know how many letters were written to correct false teaching in different regions? And Paul would say, it'll spread like gangrene and some have been shipwrecked in their faith because of this stuff. Are you kidding me? Read your Bible again. This is the nature of the war. It has to do with ideas. If you want a really good definition of what spiritual warfare is about, it is a battle for ideas. It's a battle for truth. Why do you think the enemy has infiltrated the public schools? Why? That was Hitler's plan. Get them while they're young. Convince them of a worldview and you got them. And we got a generation that, you know, comes through that system and look, there are great teachers in that system and there are people who are fighting the good fight. I'm not naysaying them, but I'm saying as a whole, as a system, it's in trouble. See, this is the nature of the battle. It is a battle for truth. And so you have a belt of truth and you gotta put it tight against your body because the enemy comes at the gospel. And the ultimate enemy will come with lying signs and wonders. Even his sidekick will be able to call down fire from heaven. And so truth is the new nature that we don ourselves with. And so uh, let me just read a little bit about how the belt was put on. Here's the imagery. If it's the Roman soldier imagery, here's what took place. The Roman legionnaire wore a girdle or a belt to hold the rest of his armor in place. Without the belt, nothing else could be put on. It held everything in place, and I'll go back to the image of the Roman soldier. There is an order here that we must see. Uh, We must put on the belt of truth first. I think there's a reason why it's the first piece of armor, because we gotta put on the belt belt of truth first because it holds everything else in place. The belt went around the waist and it was buttressed by, with other straps that went around the thighs. There was an X strap that went up the back and then over the shoulders. The breastplate was suspended from this. Without truth, you cannot have righteousness, peace, true faith, or salvation. In other words, without truth, everything else falls. If you don't have the right God, you don't have the right gospel, what does it matter if you live a righteous life? You with me? You gotta have the truth. The truth has to be secure and in place. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, no one is coming to the Father except through me. No one. There's one way. And the armor is about Jesus Christ. And so the question is, have we girded our loins with truth? An almost unintelligible phrase to modern readers who are unfamiliar with the ancient oriental custom of gathering up one's long robes. The person would pull them between their legs and then wrap and tie them around his waist, tucking it into his belt of truth so to prepare for running fast or walking or other strenuous activity. So the belt of truth speaks of readiness and preparation and so you don't stumble. The image of the belt of truth encompasses the ideas not only of protection but also preparation and readiness. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. That's 1 Kings 8.46. The people of God who were leaving uh, 
Egypt to go into the promised land. It says the Israelites were commanded to eat the Passover, their last meal in Egypt, girded for travel. God said, now you shall eat it in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Satan's tactic is to appeal to the lust of the flesh, still resident in the old nature, and to get us to stumble over our robes, if you will. And so when you put on the belt of truth and you tuck in the robes, you're free to run. Truth sets you free. You can't be saved without the truth. You can't run freely without the truth. Truth is the key. God is the God of truth. And so we come right back full circle to the truth of the word of God. Uh, We have a phrase in our culture today. It's called buckle up right? Uh, people didn't used to be so serious about seatbelts, but now they are, and there's good reason for it. Seatbelt can save your life. And so you get in the car, and I have to make a confession. Sometimes I start driving down the street, and I'm not buckled up yet. My kids say, dad, 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 put your seatbelt on. And they're right. Like, okay, kids. And plus, you can't get away with it in the modern cars, right? Because you have that ding, 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 ding. And sometimes in some cars, you have that voice. Put on your seatbelt, sweetheart. Who is that woman in some of your cars? I have no idea. But anyway, we have to buckle up every morning with the belt of truth. And the question we have to ask ourselves each day, I think, as we're getting ready to go out and take on the day, is have I surrendered? Have I put on the provision of God? Do I see myself as part of the Lord's army in it together with other Christians as an intercessor, as a truth giver to those who are around me? Makes all the difference. If you're prepared and you buckle up and you go out running, makes all the difference. And so put on the full armor of God and you'll be able to not only take your stand, you'll be able to take some ground for Christ, amen? Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for the provision of the word of God, the truth, the belt that holds it all together and thank you that you hold us together. Thank you that the other pieces flow from truth, righteousness and faith and peace. The truth of our salvation, the truth of the word of God, it it all fits together And we want to be intercessors, Lord, and we want to be on the battlefield taking a stand. And the awesome thing is that we don't have to do it alone. When we stand, you stand in front of us. You are our armor. You are our provision. The battle does belong to the Lord. And so stand still and see the salvation of our God. Thank you that you clothe us in the garments of salvation, that you're our righteousness, you're our peace, you're our strength. The enemy has to come through you to do anything to us. And so we are so grateful that you love us that much and that you wanna bless your people with your presence. There is nothing better than having you with us. You've told us if I am for you, who can be against you? And so thank you that you are our son and our shield our great intercessor in heaven. You ever live to help your people. It's amazing. We have a great high priest who extends his hands constantly over his church, desiring to protect and help us. Thank you for that blessing, Father. 
Thank you for the truth of that beautiful image that you want to give the blessing to your people. The ultimate blessing that your countenance and your face would shine upon your people. Keep us strong in your power and in the strength of your might. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare, Part 6 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10-13. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the Living Truth app is a great way to stay up to date with what we're doing here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Bible studies, family events, and of course, worship services. If you're out of the area, the LT app has a lot for you too. You can watch and listen to Pastor Michael's latest teachings. Download the Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line is that we do have a battle and there is a spiritual war going on. But the battle does belong to the Lord. We fight, but we fight with provisions that our loving Heavenly Father has given to us. We put on what He has supplied. That's the bottom line. If you want to have victory, put on what God has provided, and you will be able to walk in consistent victory. Now, we're going to be talking about the specific pieces of armor that God has supplied. And the first is the belt of truth. And we're going to get into that belt and how it holds up everything else in terms of the image of the armor, how it is really one of the main keys to battling, to walk in truth, to put on truth, to strap it on, if you will. And we're going to have that tomorrow to look forward to right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, would you tell a friend about what you're hearing? Make sure you tune in tomorrow and we'll dive into more of the armor of God right here on Walk in Truth. God bless you. We'll see you then. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 6.14 called The Breastplate of Righteousness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.